Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Tim Gordon. Thanks for being on the show, Tim. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Yeah, just before we get into Tim, I want to remind all the listeners to go to lifebridgecapital.com. I hope you'll go to the contact us page where you can put in your email, your name, and we'll contact you personally and try to connect, have a phone call with you. You can go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook as well, where you can give feedback. You can leave questions that you'd like me to ask on the show of all the experts just like Tim. And I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope your business is growing because of it. And uh, I hope you know that like we're having so many different types types of guests on the show. They're all bringing so many different types of value to our industry and to your business. And I hope you can see that. But I welcome your feedback. I would welcome a, a written rating and review and hope you're sharing the show as well. But a little about Tim. He's bought, flipped, and wholesaled over $35 million in real estate since 2012. Tim's marketing budget is under $1,000 per year, has not used AdWords or direct mail since 2016. He's focused on creative techniques to source and fund deals. So one thing about Tim, especially with our conversation before the show, is he is extremely creative about some of this marketing that he's doing. And I know that you're going to enjoy this. There's a few things that he's already mentioned that I have never heard of before, specifically around meetups and how he's done those and where he's done them and some systems he has in place. So Tim, give the listeners a little more about who you are and get us started. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, Whitney. And I'm excited to be here. As you mentioned, I live in Southern California and I've been involved in the real estate business since around 2012 and became full-time in 2014. I had a background in outside sales, seemed to parlay really well into wholesaling, property management, and flipping. And for the last five years, I've been here in San Diego, wholesaling homes, taking on flips, managing some apartments that I own, and taking on the occasional creative financing deals. So 99% of the deals that I do are direct with a seller. So my expertise really lies in how to locate those sellers and then how to work with those sellers on purchasing their property. And that involves getting really creative with the marketing since uh, I have a very low budget to source these people. I thought alone, I mean, your budget is under $1,000 per year for marketing and to grow as fast as you have, I mean, you've had to be pretty creative to make that happen. Uh, You know, so, yeah, so I mean, looking forward to getting into this and just, you know, you sharing some ways of web marketing or creative marketing, things you've done to help really get the word out and how you've marketed yourself that well. So I guess, you know, get us started with some of the most important things you've done as far as how you've marketed yourself to be that successful. Sure. And the interesting part is, is I think the key element is sort of staying ahead of the curve. And so as whenever the herd is sort of going in one direction, it's looking to what's new, what might not be proven yet, and really going in that direction to stand out. Because for a lot of us, if we're smaller fish operating in certain markets, we're not going to be able to compete when it comes to a marketing budget or in regards to you know the expense level that we can endure. So it requires being much more creative. So for example, direct mail was a pretty fantastic source of deals. You know, Back in 2012 to about 2015 in my market, that was something not a lot of folks were doing. But as the trend shifted there, it was really important to be mindful that more and more people are doing that. There's more competition. So my marketing was going to be less effective, which then led me to go, okay, well, 
I think I need to shift more towards web marketing. I think that's going to be more effective. It's neat too to see how like other businesses are created out of things like that. And like you probably know of many businesses who all they do is direct mail for people like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. One of my uh, good friends, I'm not even sure if he invests really anymore. His business became a company yeah. that does direct mail. And that brings up another really, you know, it was a quote I really love to say to folks, which was during the gold rush, they sometimes say the folks that made the money were those selling the shovels and spades and, you know, maybe not the prospectors. And it's just very helpful to be aware of sort of what's going on. And if all these direct mail companies are coming out or all these automated dialing companies are coming out, then, you know, these services are becoming much more available out there. So it's likely your competition's using those things too. And so, you know, yeah, that's something that I've had to keep an eye on. And I'm sitting here wondering to myself, where do I go next after I reveal all of these secrets? And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was just thinking about that, how, you know, once all these companies come up that can do all the direct mail for you, well, now, obviously, so many more people are going to do it because the workload is so much less. Yeah, definitely. Right? So- and I think it sort of dilutes the effectiveness of the marketing. And so, you know, it was yellow letters and then it was handwritten font. And then it was, you know, the mail pieces are getting more expensive and more customized to stand out and be more effective. And I think for a lot of folks, you know, they'd get comments from sellers just telling them that they're not the only ones reaching them. And and that makes business quite hard when you've got a lot of competition. And so I think it's really important to try and focus more on being effective than just sort of listening to an idea and then implementing it without thinking about how it actually works. It's important to evaluate your own skill sets and know how are you most effective and what do you possess that makes you successful in your field and how to leverage that instead of just taking information and then trying to be somebody else and run their business model. Okay. So, all right. So you were doing direct mail, you stopped doing that, and then you started having to get more creative and learning more creative ways to market to sellers. But I guess give us an example and let's jump into it. Um, An example of marketing for the sellers? Yeah, well, just any way that you were being creative for investors, you know, anybody, any way that you were thinking outside the box to grow like you did. Sure. So in regards to making a website really stand out and rank, it's really important to drive traffic and get unique visits to it. And there's just not a lot of real estate investors or people who are going to be interested in visiting, you know, my or somebody else's website. A lot of the information is the same. It's kind of a sales pitch to, you know, seek, you know, their property information. So to me, it was really important to reverse engineer how to drive traffic. And I used to love going to local real estate meetups, but I noticed a friend and I had made, you know, comment about this, how we would go to them, pay money, and then walk outside and talk to each other and catch up about our projects. And so we were paying money just to talk to each other. We could have just been getting lunch or something. And quite often we wanted the energy and the connection from these events, but the person speaking up there was covering a topic that wasn't relevant to us, or they were getting upset because there was, you know, say 10 to 20 minutes of networking allowed. And then after that, you're supposed to sit down and take notes. So we decided it would be much more fun to create events in the local community where we could meet up at an active project, whether that was a flip, whether that was someone renovating a multi-unit property, but you know, some kind of hands-on real estate experience where you could go there meet other investors, learn from the property, you know, investor on what they were doing, maybe talk to their contractor. And it was going to be free of charge. And this was a great way to get really energized. And the way that this was promoted and the way that you would sign up for this was all directly through my website. So the perk I would get would be it would drive traffic and get unique visits to the website. I would build an email list. And then at the events, you get to really network and meet a lot of other investors. And there isn't one person with this long topic that they're up there, you know, on a PowerPoint about it's investors, you know, walking through a house, talking to contractors, usually the agents or, you know, secondary services that are involved in the project are there. 
And the energy that we get from the events were huge. It was you know, quite a lot of fun. So that was probably one of the most fun ways to creatively drive site website traffic plus be able to network more effectively in a market that I operated in. So I just thought this was a brilliant idea to actually have a meetup at a property that you're working on or that somebody's working on. And I can just see it's going to bring up so many more questions from potential investors or partners and things like that. It's going to allow you to be able to showcase your knowledge of the market and the the property itself or maybe what you would do. And it's going to do lots of things. I just thought it was a great idea. What were maybe some things that came out of that that you didn't expect? A lot of networking. I heard of people who developed relationships from those events. So it was a lot of like secondary benefits. And I think what was really important was the intention behind creating this event was not my goal wasn't for this all to just benefit me i wasn't you know we didn't charge anything for the events it was most often hosted at other investors properties i think i had a lot of frustration with local real estate meetups and how the content was really aimed at just a few people and they weren't that interesting and i think i'm much more hands-on and so it was really nice to get people together so i saw a lot of folks who either started working for people or started partnering hiring people from these events I think it energized a lot of investors. So it fascinated me to realize that a lot of the people who attended these events had actually never walked through a construction site before. So they loved the idea of investing. They loved the idea of being involved in this industry, but they'd never actually walked through you know, a piece of real estate that was torn down to the studs. But we had one event that was at a multi-unit. It was a really creative project this investor was doing. And it was just fascinating to hear them talk about the renovation side of things, plus the landlording side of things, and then the financing side. It was kind of like a bunch of people just like standing around a car with a hood popped up and, um, you know, really taking a chance to examine it. So I think, you know, the greatest byproduct was the energy. The feedback was, you know, every month people were just dying to find out where the next project was and, you know, when they could come examine it. Yeah. Any pointers that you have now that you've done that to somebody that's thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know, that it would be a great idea. Anything that I should have my like website ready for to be able to drive that traffic or notify people or, you know, how did you prepare for that? How did you let people know? And, you know, anything about like, I don't know, letting the property owner know or uh, property management. I mean, at our properties, you know, I would want to let them know that we're doing that. Obviously, if you bring quite a few people walking around, you want to make sure they know what's going on. But, uh, you know, I just wondered for yourself, how did you prepare for that? Or, you know, were there things that maybe we wouldn't know to do to let these people even know that we're having this event? Yeah, definitely. And that's a great question. I think on the, I'll kind of break that up into parts. So on the promotion and sign up side, it would be really helpful to have some kind of a short video taken at the property. So that's probably going to be you or someone else at the property, you know, talking into the camera, just saying, you know, like the details of the event so that people can get, kind of see pieces of the property and know, you know, when, where, etc. For the website, it's probably going to be really helpful to have a sign up. So you're probably going to want some kind of a database that's tied into your website so they can put their name, phone number, email into a box, hit submit, and then you know they're signed up. That's going to be helpful too. So for some reason, if we just told people when and where, that didn't always seem to satisfy them. They wanted to know that they were signed up and that they were in and ready to go. And I think that also you know, means you can add them to your email list. You can communicate them with, with them more effectively. So you're probably going to want like a reminder email going out a week prior, maybe the day prior. This could be promoted through you know real estate groups on Facebook, Instagram. Those are probably you know the avenues that are going to be used for the promotion and just sort of like when, where, how, etc. And then for the actual event, I think it's definitely going to be important on the liability side just to make sure that wherever they're going inside this property is safe. So talking to whether it's the, you know, the property manager or the contractor, probably having some type of a release signed. I think that was something we made sure, you know, if everyone entered a house, we just you know, sign here, you know, enter your own risk. 
We try to keep the type of projects past sort of the heavy construction stage. I mean, now I'm looking back and maybe we should have had hard hats and required them to wear closed toe <laughs> shoes, but I don't think we did. So those would be some things to consider. And then I always wanted to get this one at a larger multi-unit too, which I think would be really fascinating. And if that were the case, it'd probably be some kind of a communication to the tenants of just saying, hey, we're having a group come through and figuring out a way to do that respectfully so that you know, you're not invading any of their privacy and they know that it's really brief and they feel comfortable saying, you know, I guess we wouldn't want the tenants to feel like in a fishbowl having people come look at them. And I'm not sure how that's a really good question. I guess, you know, probably beginning them to really like a vacant unit or a very brief walkthrough and then moving them to a, you know, a more offsite area or somewhere that's out of, you know, gives the tenants more privacy to discuss, you know, say the meat and potatoes of what you're going to be going on about. Yeah, I could see like in the commercial field, as far as, you know, with large multifamily or something, you know, with single family home, maybe it's probably vacant, right? Because obviously yeah. if it's during construction, you know, and so you don't have to worry about tenants and management really, as long as you know the owner or, you know, and you probably know them personally in that area. But with multifamily, if I was doing it at a property, I could see we could have a large group walk around or maybe a little bit, but even then make it even to seem more like a select group of four or five people. You know, so like hurry to get in, you know, hurry to sign up because there's only four spots available, you know, and that way there's not so many. And then, you know, and then even have it numerous times and, and that way it's not a large group. And then you get to meet people more one on one as well. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Make it more intimate. You know, it's fascinating because that was something I was really hoping to do in San Diego was to find a larger multi-unit because we were covering flips and we covered you know, kind of like your standard cookie cutter flip, we covered, you know, additions, we covered a smaller multi-unit. And so it would have been really fun to get someone into one like that. And I think there are some different concepts that would have to be considered on a project like that to, you know, be respectful of the other folks that are there. Yeah, talking about this is getting me energized to actually try and explore <laughs> that here in my market. So what are some other ways, you know, so other than the meetup at a location like that, which I think is a, a great idea, you know, what are some other ways you were creative or maybe even with web marketing or other things we need to know about that worked for you? A lot of it was revolving around, you know, search engine optimization. And so it's really about making sure your website is running effectively. So that means utilizing the proper keywords in the website. And then there's different features to a website that are going to make it come into a higher ranking to Google, such as um, there's the thing called an SSL certificate, which basically means the website is secure with someone's personal information. If you look on a website, it'll be HTTPS and then the web address. Uh, if it doesn't have that S, the website is dinged because it's deemed less secure for someone's personal information. So there's features like that, which are really important. And then video is really, I think, essential. A lot of websites back in the day, use these really tacky animations for their way to communicate messages or photos or just very cookie cutter. You know, one person does something and then it's just followed. And video marketing is really effective. I mean, we're doing this interview and looking at each other and it makes so much more difference. Like, you know, I can see you, I can look at your eyes, I can talk to you. If this were just done over the phone, it creates quite a lot of disconnection. And so being able to communicate effectively in video is one of the best ways, I think, to help you know, build rapport and help someone really like humanize the two people on either ends of the computer. So I put a lot of effort into creating a really good video that tested well for the opening part of my website. And I had a good friend who's a very talented web marketer and has a YouTube channel. And he explained to me how if I were just to stand in a video and tell you how great I was and what I can do, it doesn't really, it doesn't work very well. It's just not, but if and this is kind of like this podcast, but if someone asks me questions and then I answer them, then I just seem like a very well-informed person who's 
sharing knowledge. And so in my video, I've got someone saying, you know, ask me questions that are related to, you know, what I'm marketing for. And then I'm giving good explanations for it. And the video, I mean, we probably had 50 takes in the video before we got it right. And we even chose the background properly. I mean, we chose color of our clothes, the background, everything we did was to try and test very well to convert people to submit their information. And so those little details, especially if someone's got a website, which is, you know, for me, say that's my core source of business. It seems wise that I put a lot of effort into the very first thing that people are going to see on my website. It can feel awkward to have all those takes and to be in front of a camera and to be speaking like that. But it makes a world of difference and it's one of the most effective ways to market properly, but it requires a lot of extra effort, which I think was how I was able to differentiate myself. Yeah. It's normally that extra effort that you're willing to put in is what's going to make you stand out, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what most people are not willing to do. So uh, yeah, that's awesome though. And I couldn't agree more as far as the video. And and so tell me, you know, how did you find somebody to fix your website and do that work? Or did you know how to do that yourself? It was a mix. So, um, you know, I'm a single employee company and I really enjoy being very lean. And that was some of the best advice I ever got when I started was just to, you know, be lean, keep costs down and be very mindful of how I spend. And I like Elance, which used to be called Odesk. It's Elance a lot for sourcing people. So I have a, you know, and I tend to try and hire the best people I can find on there. I've learned the hard way that cutting corners on some of those services just doesn't make sense. So I will seek out folks who are really on the high end, you know, very capable, and then just delegate off. And so I've got someone who handles, you know, most of the details of the website are handled by them. And I handle the direction of the website and where I want to go and the keywords that I want to use and the marketing strategy. And then they're who implement it for me. And I found that to be really you know, productive. If there's something that I can learn and do in about five minutes, I'll probably just knock it out. But if it goes beyond that, then it's, it's always handed off to a web person. Nice. So no, I love that. And we talk a lot about how to use virtual assistants and, and people like that on the show. And so what are a couple other tasks that, you know, would apply to us as well that maybe you've been able to hand off to people like that? Bookkeeping, accounting. Let me think what else. The customer relationship management software that I use is Podio and it's highly customizable. So I've employed people to adjust features of that. And in fact, I think I hired someone, you know, I probably spent under $100, but it was hiring people to set up the appropriate web forms on the website and you know, design those pages for me for the meetup events to make sure that, you know, that all worked and was and seamless. And then, I mean, I think the, you know, my email list is massive because of those events. And then and the nice thing too, is that for me, it was, it was all people within my market. You know, so I think those are some of the services that I've, you know, had the most success with with hiring out. Before we have to move on to a few last questions before we run out of time, any other ways on uh, social media or things like that that you've used that have helped you as far as marketing? I used to be a really big fan of Facebook. I dialed back my use of Facebook. I'm not really, I just started to not really enjoy spending time on there. So I don't actually use Facebook anymore. I think it's really, really effective. And I think I'm probably going to have to bite the bullet and go back on there if I want to promote events. So I think. Facebook and Instagram are fantastic for promotion or for, you know, for gaining traction, especially if you're a very, you know, if you're aware of using the right hashtags and things like that, there's, I can't imagine really promoting these, say these meetup events and not using Facebook or Instagram. I think it'd be quite necessary. And obviously you can do targeted ads too. So there's things like ad roll. I think that's one of them where you can have ads follow people. So I could even have something where if someone's searching specific keywords or following certain hashtags that you know ads are going to follow them if I wanted to promote certain things. And that sort of takes it on to a whole new level. And for my business, since I'm trying to reach 
you know, mostly property owners. I didn't see that as an effective thing. But if someone were uh, for a syndicator, I could see that being highly valuable would be marketing towards, you know, specific hashtags, or if someone is, you know, part of certain groups or follows certain things on Instagram, you could design marketing that then follows those people, which probably one of the most effective ways you could you could reach, you know, investors and such as a syndicator. How do you learn how to do something like that? That's a great question. Or do you hire somebody? That's a really great question. I don't know if I would, I wouldn't consider myself an expert on it, but I would say that I would probably start researching on Elance in regards to companies and services that can help you. It's probably going to revolve around sort of designating like, okay, what hashtags do I think people are using? Say whether they were, um, I can't remember the word, but uh, you know, investors who can like qualified investors or what's the yeah, word? Accredited investors. Accredited. Yeah. So maybe I would be saying, okay, well, what do accredited investors, what patterns do they have on social media? Do they follow hashtags? Or are there certain Instagram accounts that they follow that seems to have a high ratio of accredited investors? Or are there Facebook groups? Or So I guess I would try and reverse engineer it, which would be like, who am I trying to reach? Whether it's accredited investors or new investors. What hashtags, groups, people do they follow? Okay, now I know this. Now I can um, contact an advertising service that will basically place ads on their phone, you know, to people who are parts of those groups. So just like, for example, I just adopted a dog. So I'm Googling all sorts of stuff about dogs. And now I'm getting all these ads about dog food and animal services and pet insurance. And so those are the services that are being utilized to, to reach me now that my phone and internet know what I'm searching. That's what it would revolve around. Okay. So anyway, Tim, we're going to have to move towards a few other questions before we run out of time. But I like to ask every guest that's you know directly involved as an operator in the real estate business, how are you preparing for this potential downturn you know, that everybody's talking about? I tend to be a really conservative person. I moved to California in 2008 when everyone was losing their house. And so I had a firsthand view of just sort of like the world ending. And so for me, I like to be very liquid and I have to fight my urge, you know, not to buy deals or not to get involved. You know, my default is just to hoard cash and sort of like sit back. So for me, I think it's trying to take the emotion out of things and make it more about the data behind things. If I'm looking at a property, one, I want to have a few different outs, but two, it's, is it profitable? Okay. Can it handle a stress test and, you know, stress testing my finances and my properties and really trying to remove the emotion from things. And that's what's... Where do you find your data? A lot of that's going to be, if it's, well, if it's for a rental property, then I'm going to be using like Zillow, Craigslist, et cetera, to see like, okay, what are market rents? And then examining the finances behind a property and understanding what I can survive, how much of a dip can I survive? So that's what I would usually... And then obviously MLS data for comps and things like that. Okay. And what's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Something we haven't talked about. I think it would be you know, regaining enthusiasm for my business. And I think I tend to have a bit of a shelf life with things that interest me. So that means putting myself back out there, you know, talking to people, being on here is an example of that, getting energized. And then also questioning assumptions and looking at the business model and going, okay, like, because I've done it this way, does that mean it should stay this way? I remember my old line of work, I would visit a lot of business owners and I'd be like, gosh, they're so jaded and so stuck in their ways. So I think it's important to take a step back and just go, okay, well, say someone bought my business and was full of energy, what would they do to change it? You know, what would they do to revitalize this and what things are being done a certain way just out of habit versus what really could we do to grow this? So I think it's regaining enthusiasm and you know, questioning assumptions on how things are done. Do you have investors in your deals? I do from time to time. For mine, it's mostly private investors. Yeah. So what is your best advice for caring for them or taking care of investors so they want to come back? 
That's a great question. I think all of my investors have been friends or relatives. And so I've been very careful with anything I do. And so I think it's really taking ownership of whatever someone's doing and you know, really making someone feel confident that you're taking this seriously and that the absolute last thing you would ever want to happen is for them to lose a cent. You know, that is so far from, you know, even becoming an option. And I've had deals where I did quite well and I actually gave extra money to some of the investors. And so I think things like that, you're treating them very well and where they look back at their experience and they don't feel like they were taking advantage of and they don't feel like they were strong armed and where they look back and think very positively about the experience. And by doing things like that, I have folks who are jumping to invest on deals and very eager. And so, yeah, it was very scary for me to take money from people the first time. That was something that I had to personally overcome and I'm glad I was able to. Awesome. And if you had to pick one thing, the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I think I would probably say it's persistence, followed by a willingness to examine when something isn't working and make changes. And how do you like to give back? Great question. I love volunteering with kids. I am a surf mentor and a mentor for kids in San Diego who come from group homes and foster homes. And so a lot of my energy goes towards getting those kids out in the water and surfing, spending time with them. And it's really fun to do more than just, you know, for ourselves. And so that's something I'm quite passionate about. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for your time being on the show. You've provided amazing value just in helping us being creative with marketing and how you have. And, you know, I love the idea of having a meetup at the property and some of the SEO stuff and the website design, all that stuff that you elaborated on. I'm grateful. But tell the listeners, most importantly, how to get in touch with you. Sure. You can reach me at my website, which is gordonbuyshomes.com. And any phone call, text, email comes directly to my phone. You can also find me on Instagram, which is just yo soy Tim. And my email is tim at gordonbuyshomes.com. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me on. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.